Welcome to the Her God Speaks podcast special Tuesday feature called Hermeneutics Tuesdays. Yes, that's Tuesdays with an H, where we are seeking to become better interpreters of the Bible one 10-minute episode at a time. I'm your host, April Spears. Let's learn stuff together. I have a couple of announcements before we get started. On June 8th, we are kicking off the 2023 Her God Speaks Summer Book Club here on the podcast. We are going to be reading Supernatural, What the Bible Teaches About the Unseen World and Why It Matters by Old Testament scholar Michael Heiser. I became an unofficial student of Dr. Heiser a little over a year ago through his Naked Bible podcast and his YouTube channel. He's also been a guest on the Bible Project podcast. What I love most about him is that he isn't afraid to tackle the weird stuff, the stuff that makes most people really uncomfortable. In fact, Dr. Heiser is fondly remembered for saying, if it's weird, it's important. So if you want to get weird this summer by exploring what the biblical authors thought about the unseen supernatural realm of angels and demons and the spirits of the dead and God's divine counsel, all the stuff that never quite makes it into the Sunday sermon, then get your book and start reading. We'll kick off the series with a conversation about chapters one through three on Thursday, June 8th. And make sure you sign up for the book club as well through the link in the show notes. This doesn't commit you to anything, but it does get you a link for the private Facebook group, as well as some special emails containing important information along the way. It's going to be so fun and it will be even more fun if you join us. Second announcement this is going to be the last Hermeneutics Tuesday for a while. My kids are home for this summer. I do have some childcare lined up, but it's not quite enough to cover all the things that are going on. So I'm going to hit pause on this segment for a couple of months. Lord willing, we'll jump into part three of Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes sometime in August. All right. I think we're ready to jump into chapter six of Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, which is all about our assumptions related to time. The first part of the chapter focuses on the distinction between two Greek words for time, chronos and kairos. Richards and O'Brien articulate the difference this way. I'm quoting from the book here. Greeks commonly use chronos to describe the more quantitative aspects of time, such as chronology or sequence. Chronos time is what we might call clock or calendar time, discrete units of time that need to be measured relatively precisely. The ancients used kairos to refer to the more qualitative aspect of time, when something special happened. This term is used much more often, almost twice as frequently in the Bible. Sometimes translated season, kairos time is when something important happens at just the right time, end quote. Well, I'm sure there is something to that. I had enough professors in seminary warn against making too big a deal out of there being multiple Greek words for one English word to make me a tad leery of spending a whole lot of time 
on the distinction. I did look up quite a few verses that contain each of these words. And to be honest, I struggled to distinguish the two concepts of time in most cases. Now, that's probably on me, not on Richards and O'Brien. I just couldn't really make it make a lot of sense in my head. I think the real value of chapter six comes in the second half where Richards and O'Brien make this observation. Super important. Here we go. Fundamental to Western culture is the assumption, which goes without being said, that without sequence, there is no meaning. When a Westerner recounts a major event, stories tend to move in a chronological sequence, leading to crescendo. Western stories have a beginning, middle, and end. Proper sequence is important. When you tell a story out of sequence, the story quits making sense, or so we Westerners think, end quote. Now, because of this, we Westerners care a great deal about chronological order, especially if the story is supposedly true. I mean, how could something be accurate or historical if the story is told out of order? As I mentioned in a previous episode, we crave the video camera footage, or at least a summary of the video camera footage. To us, that summary is quote unquote correct to the extent that it corresponds to what actually happened and when. I first realized that the biblical authors didn't think this way when I taught through the Gospel of John. For example, John's chronology of the crucifixion is different than the other Gospels. John 19.14 says that when Pilate handed Jesus over to be executed, it was about noon on the preparation day for the Passover. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus was crucified later on the first day of the Passover in the morning. In these Gospels, the lambs have already been sacrificed and prepared the day before the crucifixion took place. Now, from our Western video camera footage perspective, John has made a mistake. But John is not a Western storyteller. His primary mission is not to give us a precise chronological account of the passion narrative, but rather to make a theological statement about the identity of Jesus and the purpose of his death. By connecting the slaughter of the Passover lambs with the crucifixion of Jesus on preparation day, he emphasizes that Jesus is indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29 The ancient Eastern reader would not have been the least bit troubled by the chronological discrepancy. Another possible chronological error appears in the accounts of Jesus' temptation. In Luke's account, the temptation climaxes with Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple, being urged to jump. For Matthew, the crescendo moment is when Jesus is taken to a high mountain to view the world's kingdoms. One of them has to be wrong, says the Western reader, but that's simply not true. References to the temple are an organizing theme throughout Luke's gospel, so it makes sense that for him, the sequence culminates with Jesus and Satan on the highest point of the temple. Matthew has every major event in the life of Jesus taking place on a mountain or a hill. This is why his sequencing ends with Jesus and Satan on a high mountain. The biblical authors weren't as interested in accurately conveying the timing of what happened as they were in accurately conveying the meaning of what happened. And an ancient reader would have known this. 
One of my professors in seminary was fiercely committed to a literal reading of scripture, as well as a rigid definition of biblical inerrancy. Because of this, he was kind of obsessed with reconciling the chronology of the four gospels. At the time, I thought this was commendable. I also thought some of his explanations of the differences were pretty far-fetched. But who was I, the student, to question this brilliant, godly professor? Now, I still have so much respect for that professor, but I now realize that he was failing to consider how the biblical authors thought about chronology. He wasn't aware of the vast difference between the way modern post-Enlightenment Westerners think about storytelling and the way ancient Easterners thought about it. We can stop expending effort trying to reconcile the apparent discrepancies in the four Gospels and instead spend that time seeking to understand the meaning those authors were seeking to convey in their unique ordering of events. Sometimes what looks to us like an error is actually artistry. Here's what I hope you'll take away from this episode. When you observe something in the Bible that appears to be out of order, don't try to explain it away. Assume that it's intentional and then stop and ask why the author might have ordered his story that way. Spend some time, meditate on that, ponder it. It pains me to think of how much ink has been spilled trying to explain away so-called errors in the text when no such errors exist. When we understand that our assumptions about chronology and accuracy were not shared by the biblical authors, the stories get a lot more fun and... The meaning of those stories can make a much bigger impact. Well, that's it for this episode. I think I might have actually kept that under 10 minutes, which I haven't done in a while. So (laughs) I feel really good about myself right now. All right. So just a reminder, uh, we won't have any more of these Tuesday segments until sometime in August. I'm looking forward to finishing the book, but I'm also really looking forward to the Summer Book Club and I'm excited to devote my attention to that. Again, get your book, sign up for the book club. I will meet you right back here on the podcast on June 8th to talk about the book Supernatural. Bye, guys. Bye.